Well, it is a real honor for me to be here. Uh, first off, let me just uh, echo what John had said about uh, Memorial Day weekend. And, and uh, I think as I get older, uh, it just becomes such a even greater significance of what people would do. And some of you know this because you've been directly impacted by this. Uh, people who have lost lives on behalf of people that they'll never meet. Uh, just so we could have the freedoms that we do. So I just want to just extend a special uh, happy Memorial Day to all of you uh, at this amazing holiday that we get to celebrate uh, once a year, which should be actually many more times than once a year because of its significance. And as Ben said, uh, we have such a, a, a partnership here with you because uh, we're like, or at least I was like the firstborn of River Glen. Uh, I was the first one that, uh, that you sent out uh, to start a new church, and I, I was I was actually in office space here for about uh, nine months, and uh, kind of like a pregnancy, which I'm sure some of the staff was wishing for like a six month pregnancy, like get this guy out of here. Uh, but uh, so uh, so because of you. Uh, we were able to start the Ridge, and so there's just this, this deep-rooted partnership that we'll always have, and so it's just great for me to be here with you, and uh, Ben gets to step over and uh, speak at the Ridge sometime this summer, and so we like to keep that partnership uh, out in front of both churches. Now, I, I love your lead pastor, Ben Davis, for many reasons, and uh, over the years, as, as we've become closer, it's been actually over 10 years that we've known each other, uh, I just become aware of how many things that we have in common with each other. Uh, for example, we both married up. Uh, Marnie Davis is just an amazing woman, and uh, he, he definitely married up for sure. I don't know how he paid her to marry him, but he, you know, he did. Uh, and uh, we both have three kids, uh, two sons and one daughter. Uh, we, we both actually moved back to Wisconsin uh, to start new churches. And uh, so, so we both did that. And what, what uh, maybe you don't realize is that both of us at one time were much heavier than what we are now. And then we both went on diets and we lost a bunch of weight. And we actually used the same app to help us lose weight. And we kind of did it and kept track of it and all that stuff. And what I've begun to realize is that Ben and I have the same weakness when it comes to dieting. And this weakness is found in two very precious words, dairy queen. Now, I know some of you, you're, you're, you're custard people. Listen, I've got nothing against custard. If you're a custard person and you want to slip me a coupon to Culver's or something like that, I mean, I'm not going to turn that down. Uh, but there is just something about dairy queen that he and I just, we just both love. I mean, I get the blizzard and uh, he gets a hot fudge sundae. And uh, we've been traveling together over the years, and we go through this routine that we'll go, at the end of the day, we'll go, hey, listen, you think there's a Dairy Queen nearby? And then we do the whole Siri thing, and then he and I go off to Dairy Queen together. Well, a couple weeks ago, we were in Texas, and uh, we get done with the session, and it was a long day, and I said, hey, bud, what do you think about checking on a Dairy Queen? He goes, okay, let's do it. And so, you know, Lord, let there be a Dairy Queen nearby. We, we talked to Siri half mile from where we are. So we, we go to this Dairy Queen, and we pull up to this Dairy Queen, and Ben's kind of a, you know, an even keel type of guy. If you would have seen the look on his face because the uniqueness of this Dairy Queen, it was amazing. We pull up to this Dairy Queen, and uh, this Dairy Queen was like any other because this Dairy Queen focused on something that I've never seen a Dairy Queen focus on. In fact, we have a picture here of, of the menu of this Dairy Queen. Now, it's hard to, it's hard to picture or hard to see some of this, but it, they had a belt-busting bacon burger. Now, I don't know what that means, but it just looked good. Their salads, when you look at their salads, you see these pictures, you didn't see any green. 
I mean, it was just all this other stuff. And they just piled it on, piled it on, piled it on. You know, they didn't have a single burger. It was all like the triple cheeseburger. You know, and the cheese is like dripping off to the side and all that stuff. And so I order a blizzard. I order a medium. They gave me a large. I mean, it was like everything is big in Texas, thankfully. The whole goal of this Dairy Queen, and they were not shy about it, was to add to your love handles. Now, today, we are beginning a brand new series called Love Handles, and we all know what love handles are. They're, they're these things on our side here that tend to get bigger, especially as we get older. Now, those physical imperfections are not what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about instead some of those relational imperfections that we have in our life. So we're not going to talk about how to have less of these. We're going to talk about instead how we can have better relationships. Now here's why this is so important. We will spend more time managing relationships than anything else that we'll do. I mean, think about all the relationships that we have in our life. You know, you have your family. If you're married, you know, you have two families. And then if you, if you got remarried, many times, you know, there's like three or four families. Uh, you know, you can have, uh, you have kids and then, you know, their relationships with, with their parents. And you have school and you have gym and you have church. I mean, you just have relationship after relationship. Here's the one thing we can't escape. People. And because of that, uh, our relationships can have the most stress or cause the most stress on our lives. You know, I've noticed this. Uh, when people come to, see my, come to see me in my office, it's not because they want to enjoy my company, because probably most of the time they don't enjoy my company. They come to see me because they are dealing with some sort of, of tension or turmoil in their relational world, and they want help because of it. Now, I would bet that most of us here have some sort of relationship in our life that's causing tension in our life. You know, maybe for some of you, it's in your marriage, and your marriage is like a war zone. I mean, you are constantly firing at each other, or it goes to the other extreme, and it's like a monastery, and there is no talking. Or maybe for you, you're, you're in the process of blending a family, and it's not blending very well right now, or you have a, you have a child that's, great, that's moved into the teenage years, and it's like, where is my kid? Because they're speaking a foreign language now, and I can't understand anything that they're saying. Or maybe you're here, you're single, and you're starting to date someone, and there's all sorts of red flags in this relationship, but you keep telling yourself, I'm going to stay with this person, because it's better to be unhappy than it is to be alone. Or for maybe for you, that tension is in your extended family. Uh, my wife Donna and I, Every year for Christmas, we have this, this pattern that we do. We take two days way before Christmas, it's actually in early December, and we spend one day with my family, and then we spend the next day uh, with her family. And so uh, this past Christmas, uh, Donna's family was going through a pretty tough transition. Her uh, parents were just moving in or in the process of moving into an assisted living uh, facility, which is just a, a very uh, difficult transition for any family. And what made it more difficult was that Donna had some siblings that had their own agendas, and they were making it pretty difficult. And, and, and me being the comforting guy that I am, I said, don't worry, honey, at least my family is normal. So we go to my family's house first, and uh, night's going well. Everything's going great. And then right near the end, my oldest brother, he's with his wife and kids, uh, right near the end, he says, oh, by the way, I just want to let everybody know, we're moving to Colorado in five days. 
Now, you wouldn't think that that would be a big deal, but they knew about it for months. And then, you know, my parents are stunned because, you know, the grandkids, and they're really close with the grandkids. And, and everyone's going like, dude, why didn't you just tell us a while ago? I mean, what's kind of the big deal? And so there's this awkward tension the rest of the night. You know, no one's really talking to each other. So we get to the end. Everybody leaves. And Donna says to me, well, Mark, I just want to thank you for showing me what a normal family looks like. You know, and, and for some of you, you know what that kind of family tension is like because you have people in your family, you know, there's been hurts that happened, and as a result, you know, this person hasn't talked to this person, you know, in years, and then everybody gets together, and it's all this weirdness, and it's all this tension, or there's just certain relational dynamics that don't get along, and there's all sorts of family tension. Or maybe you have tension, relational tension at work, or in your neighborhood, or just with your kids. What if we could get a handle on the very thing that makes or breaks us in so many ways. I think we'd all want that because of the impact that that would have. And that's what we want to do through this series. Now, here's where we're going uh, through this Love Handle series. We're going to talk about five relational principles that will help us get a handle on love and life. Now, here's what's great about these principles. They can be used in almost all of our relationships. If you're married, they can be used in your marriage. If you're single, they can be used in your dating life. They can be used if you're a parent with your kids. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're a kid, they can be used on your parents. I'm going to teach you some things. We're going to teach you some things that you can leverage on your parents. You see, this is going to be great for you. Uh, these, can be, these can be leveraged at your workplace, in your neighborhood, if your in-laws, whatever it may be, these relational principles, when applied, will help you get a better handle on your relationships. Now, this topic that we're going to be talking about is one of the reasons why I love following Jesus. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you're here. I hope someday you become one. But even if you don't, I hope you'll stick this series through or see this series through because you at least leave here with a lot better handle on some of your relationships. But if you are a follower of Jesus, we believe that God created us for, for relationships, this is why relationships, they can have such a huge impact on our life, whether for the good or for the not so good. But here's what we often miss as a follower of Jesus. You see, we think following Jesus is about our spiritual life. And so we go, you know, I've got my, you know, my spiritual life over here, and I've got to deal with that at church and some other things. And then I've got all, every other part of my life over here, and this is my relational world. And so, so we kind of separate the two. But Jesus came along, and, and here's what he talked about, and here, and here are some of the, the, the angles of his teaching. He basically said this, our spiritual life is our relational life. In fact, when you read through the teachings of Jesus, you see this, a big piece of evidence that you are actually following Jesus will show in the approach and the quality of your relational world. You see, the two, they aren't separated, they actually go hand in hand, which means what we're going to talk about is not only going to help your relational world, but just because the two are overlapped, they will help you grow as a follower of Jesus. Now, tonight what I want to do is I want to talk about the first principle, and uh, this first principle is also the most important principle, and, and this principle is so important that if we don't get this one, it's going to be really hard to get all the other principles as we go through this series. And this principle is not only very difficult to apply, but for many of us, it's going to be very difficult to accept as well. Now, before I do that, I want to begin by asking you a question. And this is probably a question that you have never been asked before. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about 
one person in your life that you have, a, have relational challenges with or, you know, opportunities. All depends on how, you know, you want to spin it, whatever. Uh, but this is, this is someone that, that's just, you know, there's a relational tension, there's turmoil, there's all this stuff going on. And, and here's the question. If you could change one thing about that person, what would you change? Ladies, what would you change about your husband or your boyfriend? Guys, what would you change about your wife or your girlfriend? And please don't turn to her and tell her now. Don't do that. You know, students, what would you change about your friends or your parents or someone else in your life? Or what would you change about your boss or whatever it may be? What would you change about that person? Now, here's what I know. It didn't take you long to come up with the answer. In fact, for some of you, you're thinking, well, I've been telling that person that for months now, and if they would just listen to me, you know, our relationship would be so much better because of it. And here's why you think that, and here's why we think that. It's because of this. When there's fault in a relationship, we think most of it is their fault. If there's fault in a relationship, most of it we think, is their fault. This is why we think, you know what, if they would just change this, if they would just stop doing this, you know, if they would just work on them, things would be so much better in that relationship. But here's what's really interesting. Jesus comes along and he gives this fascinating twist to how we are to approach our relationships and it's so much different than how we view and approach our relationships. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. If you don't, the verses are going to be up on the screen. And uh, Matthew is such a great book. If you're here and you're not a religious person and you go, you know, I, I like what's going on here and uh, the teachings are helpful and all that stuff, that's great. Uh, but you're like, I could never become a religious person. You need to read the book of Matthew because Matthew is written by someone who's probably the most non-religious person that you could ever think of. And so you just need, he be actually becomes a follower of Jesus, and he never becomes religious. Just think about that for a minute. And he writes a book that's found in the New Testament. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 7, we get near the end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is the longest message Jesus ever gave. And he gives, he talks about all these really interesting topics. He talks about anger, talks about forgiveness, talks about marriage, talks about divorce. He talks about money. He's talking about all these things. And then he gets near the end of it. And then as he gets near the end of it, he talks about this principle that is going to drive the rest of this series. Here, here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7. He says, don't judge or you too will be judged. Now, most of us have heard that before. Maybe you didn't realize uh, that that was in the Bible somewhere. But when this, when this sentence is used, it's usually used in reference to or in the context of, you know, people that are having differing opinions. And so they say, hey, listen, uh, don't compare me to someone else. Don't criticize me. Don't confront me about anything in my life. My life is my life. I'll live it however I want. None of your business. Don't judge me, period. Except when Jesus said it, there was no period. And when Jesus said this, he wasn't talking about don't use good judgment. You see, here's what Jesus meant. He said, we cross the line from using good judgment to judging when we become consumed with this, fault finding. If there's, we, we look at everything with a hypercritical eye. If there's 98% good, we see the 2% bad. For me, I can get 20 compliments and, and one bad com comment. And guess, the one I, guess which one I focus on? The one 
bad one. And so for many of us, this is, this is our view of things. If there's 20 good things and one bad, we tend to focus on the one bad. And then Jesus builds on this. He says this. He says, for in the same way, you will, if you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will actually be measured to you. He said, it's like we take out, we look at people with a hypercritical eye. It's like we take out a tape measure and we just start sizing people up. And Jesus says, listen, I'm just going to let you know that every time you take out a tape measure and start sizing people up, the same tape measure is going to be used on you. See, the way you judge others is the way you will be judged. And then Jesus tells us why we tend to focus on the faults of other people. Here's what he said. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust? He says, why do you focus on the smallest faults in other people? In your brother's eyes, he's not talking about a sibling. Some of you are like, oh, cool, I don't have a brother. I'm good here. He's actually talking about anyone that we come across. He says, in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Now, Jesus uses, he paints this ridiculous picture. It's actually quite humorous. Let me show you what picture he's painting. Jesus says this. He says, we walk around and we have this plank in our eye. And this plank that he's talking about represents the faults uh, in our life. And these are faults that the people close to us know that that's there. And for some of us, you know, we ignore these faults or we may not even realize these planks are in our eye. And so Jesus says, here's what we do. We, go, we walk around with these big planks in our eye, but yet we're pointing out everybody else's faults. We're walking around and we say, hey, listen, you need to get help for that. Hey, listen, you need to change there. Hey, you really need to see some counseling. Hey, listen, here's what's wrong with you all the while ignoring this plank in our eye. And why do we do that? Because if there's fault in a relationship, most of us believe it's their fault. And then in the middle of this picture, this kind of crazy picture that Jesus is painting, he tells us our principle that we're going to use for the series. He says this, you hypocrite. And most of us here know what a hypocrite is. In fact, uh, maybe this is the reason why some of you have stopped, you stopped going to church for a while because you believed every, all church people were hypocrites. A hypocrite is someone who says one thing but then does another. And, and Jesus says, hey, when, when we walk around with that plank in our eye pointing out everybody else's fault, we look like a hypocrite to that person. This is why when we say to them, hey, you need to deal with your stuff, they look at us and they're resistant or they pull back or an argument starts. Why? Because they see us and they go, hey, listen, all I see is a person who is unwilling to recognize and deal with their own stuff. So why should I deal with mine? He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. And so Jesus gives us our principle, love handles principle one, it's this. When there's fault in a relationship, when there's fault, fix your fault first. When there's fault, fix your fault first. Instead of trying to be the counselor to everybody, instead of just going around trying to diagnose all the problems in the relationship, which never works anyways, Jesus says, why don't you try something new? Start with you. Now, here's the thing, here's the thing about relationships. And what I'm about to say I'm just going to warn you, some of you aren't going to like very much. And there's a part of me, even every time I say it, 
I don't really care for it that much either. But as I look at my experience, and hopefully as you look at your experience, you will see that this is so true in our lives. Here it is. Opposites don't attract. You attract who you are. In fact, some of you, you're here and, and you're single, and you just had a string of bad relationships that really all start and end the same. And you're kind of looking at everyone else and going, well, it's their fault. Here's the thing. Who's the common denominator in all of them? You are. And here's how we know it's your fault. You attracted them and you picked them. Now, some of you here, you know, you're married and, and you, here's what you're thinking. This is not the person I married. Now, I've been doing this for a long time. I know I only look 25. I've been doing this for a long time and here's what I've noticed. I've never met a couple with married problems. Every couple is, they got two problems, two people with problems, and then they get married. And the problems have always been there, but either they chose to ignore them or they refused to work on them. And as a result, they got married. You see, opposites really do not attract. And so, and so Jesus says, listen, if you are willing to start with you, your relationships will begin to change, not because you change the other person, because they may never change, but because you changed. You see, here's what else is true about relationships. Healthy people attract health, healthy people, which leads to healthy relationships, which means if you're here and you're single, instead of trying to find the right person, become the right person by dealing with your planks now. And guess who you're going to attract? The person you are becoming. And if you're here and you're married, instead of trying to make your spouse the right person, instead of doing that, work on your planks first. And when you do, you will begin to create a different environment in your, in your marriage. And then Jesus says, as we do this, here's what will happen. He says, and then, as a result of starting with you and not worrying about their, their stuff, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Uh, when, when, I was, uh, when, when I graduated from college, uh, I, I was starting to have eye problems. And uh, I, 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 was, I would read things and the pages would be blurry and I'd be driving at night and I couldn't see uh, signs from, from a long distance away, which was kind of concerning because I'd always had good eyesight. So I went, to, I went to an eye doctor and he just said, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to give you some reading glasses. And uh, this, was, this was, you know, 20 years ago. And I can remember the first time I put on these glasses. I don't even know if they make these type of glasses anymore. I can remember the first time I put on these glasses and looked at a, looked at a book. The things that were once blurry now became clear. And so Jesus says this. He says, listen, if, if you start with fixing your faults first, here's what you're going to do. You will exchange this, which just blurs the way you see the relationship anyways. You'll exchange it for this, and instead get this, which brings clarity to the relationship. And when we do this, 
we will be able to see the relationship in a way that when we begin to deal with the sawdust in the other person's eye, we'll handle it from a different perspective because we'll have a clearer perspective and we'll see it in a way that we weren't allowed to see it before because we had that in our eye. All because you started with you. So here's what I want to do as, uh, as we leave here tonight or as I finish up my time tonight. I want to give you a little homework. I know it's Memorial Day weekend. You know, you, you, you get off tomorrow. You don't have to do this tomorrow. Uh, but I know you're River Glen. You are high achievers here. I mean, you're always demanding excellence in everything that you do. So uh, I want you to do this homework. And here's the thing. This first piece of homework, most of you won't do this. And the reason most of you won't do this is because this is very, very hard. And, uh, but I'm telling you, if you do this, if you take the time to sincerely do this first part, this will have such a huge relational benefit in your life. And uh, so here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find two or three people that love you. And I want you to take them out for coffee. You know, make, make sure you buy them coffee. And maybe at the end, you're going to want them to buy you coffee and you hear what it is. But I want you to take them out for coffee. And here's the question I want, the, I want you to ask them. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? And here's why you need to ask this question. Because you don't see yourself clearly. And I don't see myself clearly because I have this plank in my eye that doesn't allow myself to see myself objectively. And so we need people who are around us and who are close to us who will speak into our lives to tell us what those planks are. Now, this happened to me a couple months ago. Uh, I had a uh, very close friend of mine. Uh, we were talking, and he said, hey, listen, uh, I want to work on some things as I start the new year. And he said, There's, I want to give you a list of, of eight things, and I want you to pick the one that you feel like I really need to work on. And so he gives me this list, you know, and, and it's even, it, it's on email that I could respond. I gotta be honest, I felt a little awkward. I'm like, well, I don't wanna hurt his feelings, you know. And, and uh, so finally, I, he said, no, 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 I want this. Just be honest with me. And so, you know, I, I picked one and then I, I sent the email back. Well, a couple weeks after that, we're, we're, in the, we're in a phone conversation together and he's talking about a conversation that he had with, with a mutual friend of ours. And he's, he's laughing and he goes, yeah, I, I said to her, you know, when Mark hears news like that, he can go real negative. And here's what I'm thinking on the, on the inside. Me? No way. Not me. And then as I hung up the phone and I started to think about it, because instead of getting defensive, kind of let everything calm down, and I realized, yeah, me. Yeah, me. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's that plank in your eye? And, and here, here, some of you, this is where it's going to get really hard, because you are going to hear some things you aren't going to like. You're going to hear some things like, you're arrogant, you're selfish, you're disengaged, you have an addiction, you have a temper problem, you are foolish with money, and it's killing our family. You are going to hear some things, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to want to get defensive, you're going to want to explain, well, you know, back in 1984, this, no, 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 listen, I, I just want you to listen to it, and then when you're done, you just go, I just can't thank you enough for being that honest with me. You see, you can't really leverage this principle if you don't know what you really need to work on. And so that's the first part. Now, the second part is easier. And here's the second part. I want you to get a handle on those areas. Now, if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can look at this as, as an exercise in, in just self-improvement, that uh, this is an area of your life where you can get better, and, uh, and that's great. I want you to do that. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is just bigger than how to make your relationships better. 
This is actually an area of your life that God wants to work on in your life specifically. And so whatever that one thing is that you pick, and maybe you just pick and you work on it for the rest of the year, you just go, okay, God, let's begin to get a handle on that, on that area. And so for some of you, it may, it may mean, okay, we're gonna, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to going to church and just growing, maybe get into a small group. Uh, maybe you join that short-term group uh, that John just talked about. Or maybe there's an addiction problem of some kind. You go to CR, Celebrate Recovery, and you begin to deal with that. Or maybe it's go to see counseling. And if you go to see counseling, which is not a bad thing, it's actually a good thing, you go see a Christian counselor, here's what I want you to do. If you go in with your spouse or, or, or you know, boyfriend or girlfriend, here's what I want you to do. Most people go into counseling and they sit down and then they start going, well, he, he did this and she, it's her fault, and they start pointing fingers. But here's what I want you to do because you are River Glen attenders. You go in there and you, you sit down with that, in that counselor and you say this, I've got some problems I need to work through. Would you help me work through those problems? Listen, that counselor will pass out because nobody does that. They're always pointing fingers. Why? Because you know you are going to start with you first. So whatever it is, just get a handle and you focus on that one area. Now, as we go through this series, I hope you know this is so much bigger than self-improvement. God wants something so much more for you. He wants us to have great relationships. If you're single, he wants you to have a vibrant healthy dating life. And if you're married, your, mar your marriage may be good, but it can always be better. And if it's not so good, instead of the cycle of, well, he doesn't and she should and kind of going back and forth and going back and forth, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You start with you. And when you start with you, you are putting your marriage and yourself in a position of healing because you're starting with you. And if you're a student, I hope that this would be a time that, that you will meet some friends that will, that will have such an influence in your life that God will use it. You'll look back years later, years from now, and you'll look back and you go, you know, it was at that time that God put certain people in my life, and as a result, they have made such a huge difference in my life. If you have a bad boss, bad neighbors, whatever it may be, that we want you to get a handle on those things. And so I hope you'll, you'll join us as we go through this series, and next week we're going to talk about love handles principle number two. Let me pray for us. Father, um, as we look at our relational world and when there's tension and when there's problems, it is just so in us to just look at everybody else and, and say, just they would just fix their stuff. My relational world would be so much better. But, but what you taught us, Jesus, is so brilliant. Instead of focusing on everybody else, Let's start with ourselves. Let's start with what we can control. Let's start with the planks that we all have in our eyes. And as a result, we will see our relationships, not just with other people, but with you more clearly. So this week, I pray that we would do our homework and that we would allow some people to speak some hard truths into our lives. And not to hurt us, but to actually help us because now we finally recognize what that plank really is that's honestly right now it's hurting our relationships anyways. And Father, I pray that your spirit would just work in our lives in a way that you would begin to heal us as we walk through and deal with the planks uh, in our eyes. Father, uh, I thank you for this church. Thank you for, uh, for all the people here. You continue to bless them as they move into the future. You do great things here, God. 
And I thank you for uh, just their generosity with me and, uh, and just taking me in and then sending me out and allowing us to, to plant a church in a different community that's reaching people for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.